This is Spark by Entrepreneur Kid, where all kids are empowered to learn, create, and become. We created this podcast to invite creators, innovators, and change makers from all over to share their stories and ideas. We believe kids are the most creative. It's just a matter of taking actions and starting now. We hope this podcast can inspire you to create something that makes a difference in the world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Spark. I'm the host Ali. I'm the co-host Yang. It is great to have Lucy Chen, a senior student at Minerva, to join us. Minerva is officially called Minerva School at KGI. It is a nonprofit undergraduate program. It was formerly formed in 2012 as a joint project between the Minerva Project and the KGI. They headquartered in San Francisco. Students in this program travel across seven different countries、um, around the globe. It's a quite interesting school. So thanks, Lucy, for joining us today. We're going to chat about your unique college journey as well as some topic on education. As I'm still in middle school, first I want to trace back a little bit、uh, about your experience in China as a student. So where did you grow up, and what kind of background did you come from, Lucy?、Um, thank you, everyone. Hi, my name is Lucy.、Um, thanks, Lee and Yen, for inviting me、uh, today.、Um, I grew up in Taichung, which is a、uh, town, well, not small in Chinese sense,、um, and I、um, went to a very in- Influential school for me,、uh, middle school and high school in Hangzhou. So I left home at twelve and spent a lot of time in Hangzhou in my forming years. And it, at age eighteen, I came to actually the East Coast, Bowdoin College,、um, as first year students. And、um, very interesting, my first introduction to America,、um, this little、uh, poetic town、uh, on East Coast. And then in two thousand fourteen, I joined in Minerva as a founding class student. Great to know your background a little bit and where you came from, Lucy. So, growing up, what kind of personality do you have, and what quality and characteristics about you that makes you stand out, and why? Wow, it's hard to brag about myself. Yes. <laughs>、uh, well, I think because my parents,、uh, we own a small family business, so they are always quite busy. I basically grew up like. With a lot of freedom,、um, I think maybe a couple of things. One, I feel I'm quite observant just growing up as a little kid because I always have to take care of myself,、um, and、um, I think I tend to listen a lot and、um, be very attentive to people's verbal and nonverbal languages and try to figure out what people are thinking.、Um, and I think that has led to me being a very empathetic person. I'm usually very good at、um, disentangling people's mental knots,、um, so that's one thing I guess that comes from like my growing up.、Um, on the other hand,、um, yeah, I think because of the freedom that I have, that I do not always have to be like do something. So I've got、um, quite an adventurous characteristic, I would say.、Um, tend to. Make more. I started to make decisions for myself from very early on. For instance, leave home at twelve to go to middle school. That's three hours away from my home, and only get to home like every once a month, mo- once every month.、Um, and I've done many more interesting decisions in my life in that way. So I think that、uh, adventurous spirit also comes from like a earlier year of my life. 
So it's very interesting to hear from your perspective. Um, and I really wonder, you know, what your parents would think of all these decisions and independent, you know, like uh, journeys that you have taken on your own. Like, could you tell us a little bit about what kind of parents do we have? Yeah, my parents don't understand English, so I'm glad that they're not like, listen to this now. So I can talk more frankly. Um, but just kidding. Um, they are... So both my parents are not very educated, and they both didn't graduate from high school. So I would always consider them more like a um, entrepreneurs from last generation, because at the time there were a lot of um, opportunities. They actually went to inner China, um, Guizhou province, to start their career. So back in the days, like huge um, infrastructure pro um, construction projects, um, leaving the coast area. I was actually born there uh, while they were working super hard every day. Um, so I think I've always learned about being hardworking and being respectful for um, people from various type of background because, I mean, they work with, you know, high leaders in the construction bureaus, but they also work with just uh, on construction sites with those workers sometimes. Um, so I learned from being humble and respectful to um, people. Um, on the other hand, I think because they themselves have not really got quote-unquote good education or just not get too far in education, um, they really want me and my older sister to go to good schools. Um, although, uh, funnily, uh, my interpretation of good education and good schools are probably like decades <laughs> uh, apart from what their understanding of good education is. But this intention of like education is important. I think it's um, very valuable uh, for me as well. Um, but I would say there's some rebellion nature in there, in them as well. And I think that definitely has shown in a lot of the choices I've made uh, regarding my trajectory, although they very much did not like it. Um, I, I would say um, because I've grown up as a quiet independent kid, that it has become a continued theme of making decisions, making choices for myself. Uh, but also along the way, I think they've given um, enough understanding to uh, let me grow and understand that I need to take responsibility for my own choices as well. Yeah, I think it's a quite interesting uh, perspective um, from yours because a lot of parents nowadays thinking that they need to give a lot of guidance and uh, suggestions to their kids so that they can be really on the right track yeah but however a lot of the freedom that the parents can give into the kids or independence can actually make the kids you know a little more um yeah like depending on themselves and making decisions on their own so i think it's really a, a great insight yeah um can i ask like some maybe some hardships that you had when you were younger Ooh, hardships um well actually connecting back to lee's comment um i sometimes wish more guidance um and i uh, because, I mean, well, growing up as a kid, I, you just don't really know much. Although you are, I'm quite adventurous and always looking for new things to do and very um, kind of curious about learning. Uh, sometimes when I look at my uh, friend's parents who can, like, actually just tell them what to do. Um, so I think it definitely um, some kind of feeling of getting lost um, and wish there were a more direct path at some point, especially when your exploration were not leading you to anywhere. So I think it's 
this mentality is commonly shared. It's not just like in your childhood, but like when you grow up, even now these days in college, sometimes you need to face like a lot of decisions and choices where you're going next. Um, and you wish someone can, uh, someone, sometimes you want to be like someone holding your hands. Um, but I think that sense of longing for some guidance um, kind of like in return pushes you to kind of like, okay, if without like say parents rarely telling you, then what other what other people in my life can possibly give me similar guidance? So there's always like hardship or obstacles can be turning to an opportunity of learning. And I'm very grateful for meeting a lot of interesting people and mentors in my life. And so let's move forward to learn about Minerva schools mm -hmm. where Lucy is about to graduate from. So according from Business Insider, in 2016, Harvard University, the most competitive school in the Ivy League, the acceptance rate was 5.2%, and Stanford accepted an even lower amount of students, so with a 4.69% acceptance rate. In the same year, the acceptance rate for Minerva schools is 1.9%, far lower than any schools in the Ivy League. In 2018, among uh, 2,300 applicants, the only, they only accepted 276 students, so the acceptance rate is only 1.2%. So it's such a competitive program, let's learn a little about their admission process. So Lucy, tell us about the admission process that you had to go through in Minerva schools. So how's it different from other universities in the U.S.? Sure. So um, I first heard of Minerva School back in probably December of 2013. And um, as you know, I joined in the school as first class of students. They call us founding students. And yeah, back in the days, um, I read a, I actually read about Minerva from MIT article written by MIT education professor. He was saying that, sure, it sounds like a great, beautiful, grand dream, and it's not going to happen because he predicted a lot of like logistical and just like hardships for this whole project, this complex project to coming to life even. I, I mean, I was in a very good college, Bowdoin. Um, I was not super satisfied with what I got because it was not really a diverse environment um and doesn't really match my understanding of like coming to the states and like exposed to a bigger world type of like expectation but i wasn't really like oh i have to change my school or something so it was more of a casual encountering and i went through the admission processes i think because it was like first class so it might be a little bit compared to now but basically but the general ethos shared still we didn't they didn't ask for any standardized tests because SATs are being hacked uh, a lot these days. And they do have basic requirement for language, so TOEFL is accepted. Um, and then uh, Minerva designed our own kind of cognitive uh, tests. Um, so you go through kind of the series of challenges that you can complete online. And they're made of tests for like cognitive abilities. It lo look a lot like IQ tests, but not just IQ tests. Um, but also non-cognitive abilities. You require you to write under the camera so they know you, it's you who is writing. Um, simple questions like they will give you a scenario and ask you like how would you approach it um, or uh, some bit of creative writing um, and some kind of like creativity test but it's all devised by Minerva. And then there was, um, I think, optional interview at some point. Um, back in the day, so it was funny, the interviewer, it was the longest interview I've ever done. It went through, it went, it lasted for like three hours. Uh, I don't think they do it anymore these days. But the general ethos, um, the first year, everyone was very hyped. 
and it was a great opportunity for me to learn about Minerva as well because the model is so new that it doesn't feel like a school. Um, so to summarize the admission process, um, you uh, don't need standardized test, but you need to go through a special test devised by Minerva. Oh yeah, you need to talk about what you've done as a high schooler or in your life, what your pursuit is, what your vision is, um, and also uh, some interviews. Got it. Because the acceptance rate is so low and uh, you have gone through such a you know competitive process, and I would like to know what do you think actually attracted you know them to you who stand out among thousands of people did you ever hear feedbacks from them well first of all i think i'm quite lucky <laughs> i always think like college uh, college application process is a uh, first of all it's a personal choice like it's self-selective in a way that i am attracted to such an adventurous model and also being like the guinea pigs of the school that never existed before I was literally there since day one of the school. Um, but on the other hand, I think um, I've worked on a lot of like self-initiated projects and um, a lot of them have some type of purpose behind. I put a lot of thoughts into my intention of what I want to work on. Um, and I think that mentality of doing something with purpose and like getting resources and making things happen it's shared um, in a lot of uh, Minervas, uh, Minervans we call ourselves. Um, yeah, it's very shared in the community. Match their philosophy, basically. Yeah, and um, just provide an anecdotal kind of piece of evidence of feedback that I've got. So um, all the founding class students, everyone is assigned a legacy. So, I mean, we're doing the Hogwarts way and... and so 28 of us, we would, everyone will get a, a sign of legacy. Mine is Hunter. So that's sort of representing some spirit in me, some spirit or some quality that Minerva values, and also one place in San Francisco, because this is the birthplace of, um, of Minerva. So I am a hunter, and every year um, there will be a few hunters joining my legacy family. Um, and um, le Hunter represents some spirit like one, um, you're always like getting resources for survival, um, but survival can be on all levels, right? It can be your what do you want to achieve, what do you want to bring to the world, and etc. But this constant kind of like um, being resourceful and being motivated and very driven to certain direction, I think it's one of the spirit that they see me uh, and many other Minervas as well. That's quite amazing. You know, we talk about personalized learning a lot and Manova really had, you know, tried to define who you are and what kind of personality you have and even bring like a group of clubs or, or, or students have similar qualities with you and to learn from each other. Yeah. So for me, Lucy, I'm mostly interested in your travel experience studying at Minerva School. Uh, say you are in a different city around the world. Um, I don't know for how long and Pick any city that you have the most in impressions on and tell us what a typical school day is like for you in that city. Well, there's no typical school day. <laughs> uh, well, um, there is typical school days, but um, it really varies on what are you working on. So the general model is you enter Minerva for the first year, everyone studies in San Francisco. It's our home base, and the curriculum is more 
and designed everyone take a similar classes. And for the second and third year, we go to Berlin, Buenos Aires, Hyderabad in India, Seoul in Korea, and that's kind of like our forming year. So it's more kind of like standardized, higher level courses related to your major, but also we work on projects and we spend half a year in each places. And the last year, senior year, um, I we spent half of it in London and currently we're all back in San Francisco for final semester. And the time is much more flexible because you're primarily working on your capstone project. So it's kind of time for you to connect the dots. And there are also tutorials, meaning um, it's a very small size class of like three to five students who share similar interests of certain topic. So uh, it really varies from year to year. The academic journey is designed very carefully. Um, but um, out of all of these cities, well, San Francisco feels home in its own way because I've spent a lot of time. But London has left uh, a big impression on me. Um, yeah. Can I say something? So maybe some examples of like the type of projects that you do mm -hmm. in different cities. Sure. Um, wow. Let me get, let me give myself like a few seconds to think about which one to pick out of uh, so many. Um, so project-based learning is a big part of Minerva's learning experiences. Uh, for instance, um, in Berlin, and we worked with five of our Minerva students. We worked with um, this organization called Kairam. So uh, it was at a time that immigration issue is really heated in Berlin. There was an influx of a lot of refugees into the city of Berlin. And this organization will help um, refugees who completed online courses and connect with local universities to get credentials from uh, local universities. And um, together with my friends, we kind of went through the research process. Like we went to the camps, we went to, we designed a, we hosted a design thinking workshop to talk to these learners to really see what their difficulties are in this process of taking online courses and how to persist through kind of like all these courses and finally get their diploma and even get into economic opportunities. It really started as a project just like, oh, make us a student handbook. But um, we really pushed back and say we really need to go deeper into what a real problem is. And thus goes the research process. And later on, we actually negotiated with the CTO that you have to put in resources. Like we have to make it. So we give our reasoning why we think making a whole MOOC um, is a good right solution to the real problem that students actually do not really know what a, th a degree thing is about. We empathize a lot because like when we came to Minerva, we did not know like what we kind of like, this is, this is a new thing. So uh, we actually negotiated with CTO and then they provided like one tech person and we ended up making a 12 hour long uh, MOOC from like writing script and all the way to production. And now, like hundreds of students of Chiron are using it as their onboarding courses to familiarize themselves with online learning, but also to see what, might, what type of obstacles they might face ahead of them and also what are kind of tools that we provide them. This is one example that we worked at locally in Berlin. So, it, wow, it's really hard to imagine to finish a college degree while traveling to seven different countries around the world. But it sounds really cool. So Lucy, if you were to share like uh, several key things that you learned during your travels, so what what would that be? And you have like stories to those key things. So it would help you.
Sure. Um, maybe I'll just continue the Karan story. I think the first lesson I've learned is definitely really try to be empathetic. Um, and I think empathy comes from a place of humility that in those questions and problems, these refugees are really the experts of their own situations, right? We need to let them guide the process and let them to reveal what a real problem is. And you cannot do that if you come in and it's like, I know online learning and like have a lot of assumptions even before they um, talk to you or um, show you what our living environment is. Um, and I think that definitely gets amplified after going to so many countries that, you know, on top of the human, like, individual level, there's also social and cultural level of um, things that you need to empathize with. Oh, another thing that I think really matters to me or I've learned over the years of Minerva is um, really broaden my understanding of what is learning. You can literally learn from everyone if you keep your mind open um, and also um, be reflective about your learning. So for instance, like now you're asking me what I've learned. It is a great example of thinking about what you have learned. Why did you do this project? Um, and I think this is a great process to learn about yourself. Thus, you become a better learner because things are changing so fast. What do you learn in college? The knowledge itself might soon be outdated. And you really have to learn about how to learn and how to think. And I think these are kind of like the mentality that I've always trying to like strengthen. So I think these two are probably the most important thing. Maybe third to last point is um, um, kind of connected is about being self-aware. Um, well, think it's actually a very tiring process. It kind of like drop into a new city and then like after half a year you have to go and then an, another new process and another uh, it gets a little tiring I would say like third year of my travel um, and I really kind of sort of like need to reconnect to myself like what am I tired about um, what are like what should I pay more attention to like should I design more routine for myself so I don't feel so overwhelmed and I think it is in that process I started to learn about like what self-care really is um, and how do you like balance your rationality and emotion about um, treating your life, uh, treating yourself very well. Um, so I think that's also a very important life lesson to learn along the process. So as I heard that instead of focusing on teaching knowledge, Minerva teaches you how to think and learn. Um, what you mentioned, you know, on empathy and self learning as well as uh, self-awareness is that you know something that Minerva actually teaches you and can you tell us like what kind of thinking or ability you know they teach you and how can anyone learn that by themselves if possible yeah it's a great question um I think Minerva doesn't teach you these things they, they let you they design a system and an environment that allows you to experience it and learn it from experiences so there are more structured teaching in the first year that we kind of like give tools and talk about like meta learning, talk about, and uh, we call it habits of minds and foundational concepts. So it's, we spend a whole year kind of learn something like theoretical side of these things. But the magic of this whole system is really over the four years, um, we're graded. So they have rubrics and we're graded on these habits of minds. And the intention is to practice it more and more so it becomes like 
part of it's like a muscle memory it's part of you that you don't no longer need to like intentionally think about these things so like as i mentioned empathy like you can see empathy in today's conversation in the projects i've been working on these days so you started to really integrate these habits of minds into your daily practice and i think um that is why so for instance minerva teaches you in the first year it buries a seed and it's really about the practices over years that's uh that um making these habits of mind taking effect um and empathy is just one of the examples of many that the ways of learning or a way of thinking that minerva is trying to foster in our students To be honest, this is a question from me as well as my parents. So nowadays we face uh, a lot of distractions such as social media, video games, YouTube channels. Um, so a lot of students get distracted from all these new informations, notifications, and ways of entertainment. So how do you keep focus in like a distracted world? So what's the best way to like manage your time? Yeah, I think we all suffer from this problem. Um, I actually suffered probably even more because I've been traveling so much. Every city, you're like, "Yay, new city! I want to explore." Yeah. But I still have this, 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 this to actually finish. Um, I think the world's changing. It's never gonna change. Like apps are designed to make you addicted. Um, I think two levels. One is still self awareness, as I mentioned. Like. Prioritize yourself, uh, self care, so you become more aware of what is the best for yourself. And then, and second thing, I think it's from actually one one of my mentor. He told me, uh, really think about your intention and think about why you're doing things, the purpose of you, how you spend your time, and learn to make important things more important. So you start to spend more time on the important things um, and spend less time. Uh, you become more aware and conscious about how you've been spending your time, and um, when you are really immersed in doing something, while、well, the psychologist says it's in the flow state,、um, that you just do more and more of that, and you will start to realize that you're focusing and centralize your time in either a big vision that you all really want to work on or some projects that really just attracts you. But、um, so these, I think, intention or motivation is the. Fundamental drive for you to use your time well, but there also I think just requires some type of self discipline、um, that、um, to stop yourself, no, to to decrease your time of like distraction. But it just happens because we're all humans. This could be another question. We know it's a fact that many parents worry about the kids' performance in school or extracurricular activity, that sent their kids to all kinds of interest class or study groups, and not knowing if that you know it's that what they want or their kids want. So, what do you think? Have you ever seen any of your classmates or from your own experience? Like, how do you find the internal drive? Yeah, from a kid, and how do you practice that? Yeah, I actually、uh, read an article from Paul Graham, the one of the founders of Y Combinator. He said that、um, passion is actually a <laughs> not poisonous of the modern society. Passion kind of had this connotation that you need to find one thing and then going to stick with it forever, which in life is not so true. And I think it is lucky, you know, you probably one of you had those math genius friends, just like fell in love with math like eight at age eight or something. 
Um, some people have that, they meet something that they really like, but for most of us, including myself, our interests remain really wide until probably this time even. I think my, I would just keep being interested in many, many things. But it's nothing wrong with that. And I think um, I can still be very driven in making connections between different things that I like. And I think at a younger age, it's important to allow ourselves to explore. Um, for parents, I totally understand this kind of anxiety of leaving, like being behind. Like, oh, I need to spend like so much time on piano. Otherwise, I, if I don't spend enough time on piano, I'm just not going to be as good. But I see a lot of people, even they didn't like pass, you know, super great piano test. When they later on, the kids went later on in life, they still have that muscle memory. And then sometimes they may pick it up as a hobby or just be like, you go to a living room and start just playing. And those kind of playing becomes very joyful. Not everyone has to become like a professional piano player or piano has to be my thing on Stanford application. I think it's perfectly legit to have wide range of interests and at some point that people will make connections and these interests will remain some heavy, some light in their life and kind of curates into a wholesome personality. But once you see like your kid really interested in something and then think that might be a sign for to really kind of like encourage that and this is might be an opportunity for, you know, to grow kind of like a spike. Um, but you don't have to force them to say you have to like spend all your time on math because you're good at it. So after hearing about the school, right, it sounds really interesting how you get to travel to different places. So maybe what would you say to kids like me or my age who may be planning to go to Minerva when we're older? Oh, what would I say to you? Yes. Ooh. <laughs> well... Uh, is it specifically about Minerva or just you in general? Like a younger Every myself. Yeah. yeah, I guess. Oh, yeah. yeah. Talk to your younger self. Talk to my younger self. Wow. <laughs> Makes me feel a little old. Uh, I would say, I think at a time coming from China to the States, like college application is like the most important thing. Like It gave me so much stress and like feeling of like competition at a time. Um, I rebelled against my parents um, not to try hard to go to Ivy League, but decided on liberal arts college track. Um, and I feel it was really a great process for me to learn about myself. But in the meantime, I put too much emphasis on like going to the school. Like I need to go to the best school. And I think there's no such thing as the best school. There's always living your choices that's more important than making the right choices because you will always have incomplete information both about yourself or the world and so if i were you or if i'm talking to a younger self i think put enough thought into whatever decision you're making so for instance college application or how do you spend a weekend or like do you want to go in deeper into debate or playing piano put some thought into it but it's more about once you decide, give yourself time to really practice and like stick to your decision. For instance, if you told yourself like, oh, I'm going to try hard to be a good debater, then try hard before you give up. Um, or don't beat yourself too much. If you find yourself don't really like it, you don't have to like stick it with forever. But give yourself enough time before you say, I just don't like it.
or and in the meantime on the other hand don't think like debate is your only thing or like go to that particular college is the thing that you have to achieve so thank you lucy for sharing your stories at minerva school and uh your wonderful insights for our kids so today uh we learned that in education we have to try to be more empathetic to different types of people and to sometimes keep a different perspective on learning and uh to keep a different uh, to keep a sense of self-awareness so we're really happy to have you joining us today and thanks for delivering these personal and insightful meaning uh, messages to our parents and kids so no matter if you're a kid teacher or parent it's always worth to look at our current way of how we learn, teach, and support, and to see if that's the most creative and fun way to spark curiosity and interest. Yeah, I hope Lucy's story can teach more kids to study and pursue a goal really for themselves, and also to inspire parents to respect their kids' interest and push only when it's necessary. So thank you, Lucy, and thanks everyone for listening to Spark by Entrepreneur Kid, where all kids are empowered to learn, create, and become. I'm the host, Lee. I'm the co-host, Yay. We will see you next time. Bye.